preach a message, and this is uh, what I call a standalone message. All that means is it's outside of any specific series, um, and it's really just a, a one-off sermon. But it's a part two, though, of the vision word for the year. I, I preached a message in early January uh, entitled Pursuit, and I felt this. I, I took time in prayer and said, God, just give, give us a word, just a direction word for our church this year. And I felt him share pursuit and felt like we were supposed to have this focus on what does it mean to really pursue God, pursue his plans for our life. And really that message talked a lot about that. What are the plans he has for us? And what does that look like? How do I pursue the things of God? Um, but today I want to um, really dial this in and I want to talk exclusively about pursuing the presence of God, pursuing the presence of God. And um, one thing that I believe firmly about the presence of God is that one moment in his presence can change the trajectory of your life. I, I really believe this. I really believe that he can shift things in your life where you were hopeless, you are now hope-filled. Where, where, where you were stressed, you now have peace. You can shift, right? But how many of you know he, it doesn't mean that he'll remove all pain, all struggle, all issue, but he helps shift the trajectory of how you're handling the problem, how you're handling the issues. Have you ever had moments like this in life though? Have you ever had moments where you're like, I I'll never be the same? Like a moment in your life that changed everything. And I don't mean like the first time you had Chick-fil-A, right? Like that was good and that was amazing and that changed your life forever. But like those major moments where you go, because of this moment, I don't know that I'll be the same person. Like there's obvious ones in life. Maybe we have those sort of milestones, right, that we create. We put a lot of weight on your marriage day, um, come on, there's something amazing about coming together with, with your bride or, or your husband, your groom, and, and becoming one. That's, that's monumental. You're never the same after that day. Come on, having a kid is a monumental mile marker. Um, that one changed me in a panic way. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's crazy. You have this child, and the doctors just help the child come into the world, and then they put it, they literally teach you how to put it in its car seat, and then they hand it to you, and they just say, good luck? What are you supposed to do? Like, how do I take care of it? How do we keep this? Thing? I literally was like, I don't know how to keep a baby alive. Who's, why do I have a child? I mean, it felt so ridiculous that we were like entrusted with this child. I was like, I don't need to change my life forever, right? There's moments that change your life. Maybe there's a moment you met someone and that friendship changed your life Forever, maybe there was that day you made a connection and it worked you towards a job that changed the trajectory of your life. An opportunity came, you got a text. Maybe it was bad news. Maybe you got that text and you go, my family's never gonna be the same because of the information I just received. There's these moments that change our life forever. And, and one for me that was monumental was in, uh, in my young adult years, I remember trying to figure out faith, and I decided, you know, I'm going to pursue ministry, and I don't want to do this, but I remember looking around the church, and, and it wasn't sort of a, a better Christian or a worse Christian. I just saw that there was people that were way closer to God than I was. Like, there's just something about them, and, and they would handle these massive problems and these painful situations with this sense of peace, and I'm like, I'd lose it. I'd lose it if I was in that situation. So watching people, I'd watch the way they worshiped. And I was like, there's something, to, I feel like you're connecting with God more than I am. Like, what is it? What, what is it about you? And, and, and I would start to watch these people just pursue 
pursue God. And I came to a conclusion that um, I need to start studying more on the presence of God. And so I went to the Word, started researching as much as I could and studying about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. I learned for the first time that it was actually the presence of God that was sent to the formless earth. And God said, let there be light. And that was his presence. And his presence is actually what began to form the earth. The, the, the light he was talking about, that was before he established the sun, moon, and stars, that his, his presence is the very light on the earth. And started to learn that it's been there the whole time. Started to learn about his omnipresence, the fact he's available. Started to study study the word, but I came to this conclusion. It's like, I believe that there's more to this than what I've experienced up to this point, that there is more of the presence of God for me. So I made a decision and I said, every day I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to pray, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. I don't know what that's going to look like, it seems to, uh, as you, re uh, we'll get to this more, but as you study the Bible, you're like, him showing up in power looked different for almost everybody. <laughs> so I was like, I can't script this. I, I can't tell you how. I just know there's more. I know there's more. And, and I, it led to this moment where I said yes to being a leader on a missions trip. And, and I went to Belize and there was this service that we had and the whole idea was don't go and try to pour out the love of Jesus if you haven't been filled up. Let's just get filled up. And I remember for the first time experiencing the peace that surpasses all understanding. We were actually in this really stressful situation and the travel had been crazy and there's this huge youth team and it felt psychotic and crazy and, and I'm in this country that I don't know and we got this interesting mission we got to go do and all of a sudden in the midst of this service, I felt the peace that surpassed understanding for the first time. I felt the Holy Spirit begin to fill me and over that trip, something started to shift in my life and I remember making the decision. It's a very simple decision. I'm going to continue to ask for more of God every day for the rest of my life. Like, I, I just, I think that this is a prayer I need to make for the rest of my life, that I have not experienced all of it yet, that I want to continue to experience more of him. And now, I've taken it even a further level in my own life. And this is, I'm just sharing this not as, um, from, from a place of arrogance, this is just my journey of like trying to figure this out because it's really hard. And, and uh, but every January, you know, it's really easy in January to look back and see all the places you missed it, right? And all, you can sort of break down your whole year and just really beat yourself up. But every January, I look at my year and I just try to look at myself and I, I ask the question and I ask it of Jesus and I say, am I more like you than I was last year? Like to start 2024, am I more like you than I was in 2023? Am I more filled with your presence? And do I have more of the fruit of the spirit? Am I exhibiting more of that fruit on a regular basis. And if I've moved at all closer to the direction of Jesus, I'm like, it was a good year. It was a good year. I've moved closer to him. I may not be perfect. I was flawed. I made mistakes. I sinned. I had issues. I came up short. There's moments I was disappointed in. But you know what? If I really look at the whole year mapped out, yeah, I feel like I've got more peace and joy and patience. I feel like I've grown in these areas. And so it was a good year. And because, honestly, I believe the fuel of that is asking that question every single day. God, I just, can I get more of you today? I want more of you. And now I've told you some of my story, but you're like, Pastor Sam, where's the Bible? Come on, read the Bible. Like, what are you talking about? Are you just making this stuff up? No, let me, I had 27 verses defending what I just said, but I, I cut it down to eight. Can you guys handle eight? Okay, this is a massive theme in all of Scripture. 
Like this is not a New Testament thing. This is not just an Old Testament thing. This is not for a single denomination. This is not for, this is all throughout the canon of scripture. This idea of pursuing and seeking after the presence of God and believing for more in your life. Let's just start, let's dive in. Hebrews 11.6 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, okay? Most of you, likely, the fact that you're here, you're at least open to the idea that God might exist. Um, just so you know, it's like, the Bible kind of makes it clear, like it's not that impressive to believe he's real, even the demons know he's real. Like, like, like this is all of creation screaming his glory, like, a lot of people believe there's some type of God. There's gotta be some type of creator that come to face with his creation. And you gotta believe he exists or you don't have faith. And when you come to him, you must believe that he exists. And, come on, there's an and. We don't stop at just believing he's real. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You're gonna start helping me out. Who earnestly, who earnestly seek him. Interesting. First Chronicles 6, 10 through 11. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face. How often? Always. Is there a timetable on always? Is there an expiration date? Is there an arrival point? Or is always, always. There's no other way to translate that. This is always and in all things. Acts 17, 27. God did this so that they would seek him. They would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him. And find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. This one's essential. This one's essential. This paints such a clear picture. He's right there. He's right there. He's not far from any one of us. Doesn't matter what you did on the way to church. Doesn't matter where you were this week. He's not far from you. He's not far from any one of us. But there's this requirement to seek him. There's this requirement to pursue him. He set up this relationship so that we would seek him. Essentially, this passage gives us actually a desire of God. God desires that you would seek him. He didn't just establish some sort of rule and say, you gotta seek me. And when you find me, I'm gonna give you a high five and that's it, because you were supposed to do it. He set it up because he goes, I want relationship with them. I want them to pursue me. I want them to come meet with me. I want them to seek my face. I want them to desire me. I want them to yearn for me, to long for me, to try and find me. This is how I've built it. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. We preached from this recently. And we know that this passage leads to the receiving of his presence, the Holy Spirit. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on, keep on, keep on, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Psalm 63, one through two. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being 
longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory. I love that we sang out those words. Oh, there's, we're standing under an open heaven. Did you know heaven's open to you? Do you know this, that you get access, right, to walk into the throne room? Jesus is seated right at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding on your behalf. He's speaking for you. He got you access. Come on, it's open. We get to stand and see him in the sanctuary and behold his power and his glory. First Chronicles 16, 11, Search for the Lord and for his strength continually. Seek him. Psalms 139, 7 through 10. Oh, I love this. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He is all around He is available. He is right there. He's closer than you think he is, but he's asked us to do something. He says, would you seek me? I want you to seek me. I want you to go after me. I want you to seek and find because all those who earnestly seek me will find me. You know, but the omnipresence of God, if we really believe that, if we actually believe he's available, Why are we always going, and it's so easy for us to fall prey as we pray and and we speak things out. We're like, God, I just, I invite you into this place. And he's like, I'm already here. (laughs) You don't need to invite me in. I'm already here. Would you just seek me? I'm available. I'm right here. You see, I'm going to paraphrase some scripture just for the sake of time, but uh, it's it's an interesting study to find out, and there's so many passages that back up the theology of when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that you actually become the temple of the presence of God. You are the new temple. It comes from the understanding that when Jesus died on the cross and he was crucified for you, the the entire earth actually shook, and there was a veil in the temple, and this veil was this massively thick curtain And on the inside, past the veil, was considered the holy of holies. It's where the manifest presence of God resided. And more than just symbolically, there was a tearing of this, tearing of this literal separation. And the veil that was between people and the presence of God was torn and split and removed. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, became accessible for all of those who put their faith in Jesus. And it's written that we actually become the temple, that the presence of God takes up residence in you upon salvation, that you actually are hosting the very presence of God. And yet, at times, we minimize our faith to just a belief that he exists. And we relegate the Holy Spirit to the spiritual parts of our life. We say, Holy Spirit, here's where you fit. My morning devos. Show up in my morning devos. Hey, Holy Spirit, here's where you fit. And Sunday morning when I raise up holy hands, that's where you fit. But I'm gonna relegate you because there's a lot of things that I wanna do throughout the week that I don't deem spiritual and I don't really want to be spiritual, right? How many of you know, like for me, at least, at least for me, this is something that's a struggle. When I, when I play hockey, it can either be something that is deeply spiritual, a gift from God, this amazing physical fitness, a bunch of men that I get to play with, 
Or if I want to relegate the Holy Spirit to a different part of my life because I want to react however I want to, right? If it's not spiritual, all of a sudden, then all of a sudden when someone cuts me off and they're a jerk, I can cuss them out, right? I can let them know. I go, this is hockey. This isn't a spiritual thing. This, this, God's not a part of this. This is just about competition. I can say what I want. I can be what I want. I can do what I want. But if I actually see going on Sunday nights and being in a locker room with a bunch of men who don't know God, if I actually see it as a deeply spiritual moment, I have to watch how I represent the Holy Spirit. I have to watch how I speak. I have to watch how I react. I all of a sudden, I have to care. But sometimes it's a lot easier to put parts of our life as sort of like, well, I mean, that's how I got to talk in that meeting with those people. I just have to say those things. And I know God's not in that part, but it's okay. Like, uh, uh, that's my non-spiritual part of my life. And I really believe this. I believe that the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I actually want to be a part of all of it. I want to be a part of all of it. I want to be a part of your fun. I want to be a part of your challenge. I want to be a part of your pain. I want to be a part of all that you do. We cannot simply pursue salvation out of some sort of fear of hell and say, I believe he's real and I don't want to go to hell, so I'll accept him, but then I'm going to go about living without the presence of God. I'm going to go about keeping him isolated to Sunday mornings. What we're doing when we say that is essentially we're saying, God, you're an outcast in your own house. See, if I'm a temple, he takes up residence in me. And I'm saying, you're an outcast. You go stay in your room and I'll let you know when I want you to come out. When you fit this moment, I'm gonna push you to the parts of my life that I'm gonna decide when I want you to be there. Have you ever had this happen? Have you ever had moments where you're like, do I even exist in this room? Does anybody ever see me? This is my experience now that I'm in my mid-30s and I'm a dad. I go downtown Minneapolis and I go to like a third wave coffee house. I walk in and it's like I'm invisible to the baristas. They're like, his shirt's from Target. Ew. Like, I know it. And, and I'm like, you're going to wait in line, sir. Excuse me. And I'm like, I'm invisible. They're like, he, does, he totally doesn't live downtown. He's definitely a suburbanite. I know it. I can tell. And I'm like, you were too. You went to Rosemount freaking high school. Get over yourself. Just because you moved downtown and you have to have your parents pay for rent doesn't make you cooler than me. Make me my latte person. Right? This is not this doesn't hit like an insecure part of my life. Obviously, I don't care that they treat me this way. But you can go to certain spaces. You're like, apparently I don't belong here. Apparently I'm invisible to whatever's going on. I don't fit. And so often I wonder, is there a part of God that's going, hey, am I like invisible to you? Like I'm right here. And we are working so hard to push him down. And then what inevitably happens if we don't escape to his presence when things get hard, we're gonna escape to things that cause pain. We're gonna have uh, an escapism built into our life where we go to whatever substance sedates the pain and the struggle and the issue because we go, God, God's not in this part of my life. I've sort of been selective on where he fits. But this is the first truth I wanna remind us of today. Church, you can pursue his presence from anywhere. Remember I read that Psalm, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. He is there. Where? Right there. The vision statement of our church is bringing people home to the heart of God. It's in the, the presence of God that you are gonna experience what it means to be home. It's where there's this fullness of joy that comes over you. There's this peace that goes beyond understanding. It's like, this is where I was made to exist. This is where I was made to be. You can pursue him from anywhere. Your job, your activities, your car ride, he wants to be integrated into the fabric of your life. I've talked about this before, but sometimes what we do 
is we, 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 instead of integration, integrating God into all of life, we sort of isolate, we choose isolation. We say, we're gonna put you into the parts of our life that we deem spiritual. I wanna challenge us today. What if we started to say, God, I'm gonna pursue your presence in all things. I'm gonna pursue your presence daily. I'm gonna ask for more every single day. And wherever I am, anywhere I am, if I'm in the plane, he's there. If I'm in the car, he's there. If I'm in the boardroom, he's there. If I'm at my job, he's there. He's with me. He's with me everywhere I go. And I want to begin to integrate him into my life. Another truth that I want to remind us of today, there's, there will always be more of his presence to pursue. This has been one of the funnest things to discover in my life of faith. The longer I've been serving God is... I actually see that there's more available than I've ever seen before. It's like I've barely just dipped my toe into the ocean that is the presence of God. And the further I go into it, the bigger I see that it is. Like, think about, like, do you remember the first time you saw the ocean? I actually do. It was in Costa Rica, my first time that I remembered seeing the ocean. And I remember driving around a corner and you could see, like, part of it. Like we were coming down through this valley in Costa Rica. I'm like, I can see part of it. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And as you get closer and further and deeper in, you start to see the vastness of the ocean. And then all of a sudden it looks big from the shore. But how many of you know if you get on a boat, it's a whole different thing. How many of you know if you dive in and you snorkel and you get underwater and you see how deep it is? Like you're like, okay, hold on. This is, there's so much more than this than I could ever comprehend. In so many ways, Many of us, we stopped at like glimpsing us off view of the ocean. Some of us, we just settled for watching a video of the ocean. Like, yeah, that looks pretty. Yeah, Bora Bora, cool. Like, let's, that looks great. Love swimming there, blue waters. That's awesome. Like, maybe I'll go there one day. And we see, we've seen the presence of God. We've seen him move in other people. We've sort of seen it off in the distance and we've sort of settled for that. You're like, my salvation's set. I believe my ticket's punched. I get, to, I get into heaven, so I'm good. Like, I don't need anything more than that. And we are settling for a really dull life of faith. You are settling for actually a life of sin and pain. You're settling for just being stuck. And I really believe that God's saying, hey, I want you to keep driving closer. I want you to actually get in the water. I actually want you to immerse yourself in this and discover that there's always more. There is more of my presence that I have for you. What if you knocked every single day? Remember, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And this is all talking about actually trying to pursue the presence of God. It's a promise. So if you've been knocking and the door hasn't been opening, one question you might want to ask is, was it even the door that was, that was the behind it was the presence of God? Was I even knocking on the right door? Or was I knocking on the pursuits that I chose? You see, I've learned a massive distinction. There's a distinction between knocking on a door and knocking down a door. <laughs> Huge difference. And an early lesson God taught me is I, I, I'm prone to knocking down doors. Like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to make it happen, right? If I set my mind to it, like, if there's a job opportunity, oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to be the best interviewer they've ever seen. Like, I'm going to make this happen. Like, I would just, I'm going to make this job happen. I'm going to make this opportunity happen. I'm going to go provide. I'm going to go make, 
this situation occur the way I want it to, knocking down doors. But as it pertains to the presence of God, the invitation is to knock on the door and it will be opened. I'm knocking, right? That's not strong enough, hard enough to break down the door. I'm just letting it be known. God, I'm here and I want more and I'm available. And actually, I'm laying down my agenda. You see, taking my agenda is like breaking down the door. I'm coming for your presence so you'll do X, Y, Z. That's actually knocking down a door. I didn't start by just seeking you. I didn't begin by just saying, God, I want more of you. No agenda, just you. I want you. I, I want to be a man after God's heart. I, I want to pursue you. And out of that, you're going to give me direction. We'll get to that in a moment. But I just want to pursue more of your presence. When we knock on the door of more regularly, it's going to keep opening. And you're going to experience more of his presence because there is so much more to experience. But one of the challenges is, it says knock and it will be open. It just doesn't say how fast. So many times we've been pursuing more from God and we've been disappointed at the time it takes. And we start to get a little critical or a little cynical, like my breakthrough just hasn't happened yet. I don't feel like I've been encountering his presence. I've been feeling a little distance. I've been feeling like I'm a little separated. I'm struggling. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to say, hey, get really critical. Get really cynical. Just start to degrade the whole situation. Maybe even degrade the gathering of the saints. Maybe talk really bad about church. Maybe talk really bad about the Bible. Maybe talk really bad about these things because it didn't happen in the timing when you wanted it to. But can I tell you, church, you cannot pursue the Holy Spirit with a critical spirit. When criticism comes in, it robs you of the things that the Holy Spirit's trying to do. We gotta come in saying, God, I'm available, I'm ready, I'm submitting to your ways, I'm submitting to the way you wanna solve this, what you wanna do, I just want more of you. We see that encounters with those who were seeking more from God really varied in the Bible. God's presence was seen and experienced in a wide variety of ways. This is why I've stopped trying to typecast how I want him to move in my life. Like, well, you did it this way when I was 18. You did it this way when I was 25. You did it this way. when I, So I want you to do it the same. Stop trying to typecast it. Like, like think about it for a second. If, if you know the Bible at all, we see God's presence show up in a burning bush, in a gentle whisper, in a handwriting on the wall, in tongues of fire, in visions, in dreams, in blinding lights, in audible voices, speaking through angels. Like, that's just to name a few. There's so many ways that the presence of God shows up to his people. And when you knock on the door of more and you say, I'm knocking on this door without that agenda, I just want more of you. And I wanna encounter you in whatever way you want in this season. It's gonna look different from one season to the next. But there's this tension in that. We experience more of God, but sometimes we do. We start to sort of glamorize the past. Well, I want it to be like it used to be. I want to go back to where we were. I want to go back to how you showed up then. Here's the tension. I wonder if you believe that God is the creator of the heavens and earth. He made all of this and he put us here on earth. Then you believe he intentionally put us under time. We believe he's above space and time, but he puts you in time. Have you ever been mad at God about this? Just like a little bit, like just be honest. Like why is it only forward, God? Like why can't I go back to that moment? 
Why can't I go back? We're like the Israelites going, I want to go back to Egypt. And it's like, seriously? It was horrible there. Yeah, but this has challenges too. We thought it was all going to be easy. We thought pursuing more of you was just going to be simple and easy and never have a struggle. So we want to go back. Can we go back? But here's a challenge. I really believe this, that the desire to return is warring with your design to advance. Let me say it again. This, this desire in us to return to what God did back then is warring with our very design to move forward. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when you begin to sit in the presence of God, he begins to be very future-oriented in your life. He starts to speak to you on where he wants you to go, what he wants you to say, what he wants you to do, what he wants you to believe for. He starts to give you a vision for your life, begins to speak to you about your potential and your purpose. And this is another truth that I believe about the Holy Spirit in pursuing him, is that pursuing his presence recognizes potential. It does. There's so much in you that only his presence can bring out of you. I believe this at the core of who I am. I'm saying this this confidently because I feel like all of my study, all of my time pastoring has made me see that every time people have an encounter with presence, the presence of God, they get better. I've never seen somebody have an amazing encounter with the presence of God, pursue him daily, and get worse. Not once. I've seen a lot of people justify small sin and get worse. I've seen people justify all types of behavior and get worse. But I have never seen somebody who's passionately going for more of the presence of God who just turns into a terrible human. Actually, what the presence of God does is it recognizes the way you were designed. Remember, he's a part of creation. So you, he knows how you were knit together. Did you know it's actually that psalm that I read, that psalm um, out of 139 actually gets after verse 10 is when he begins, David starts to write about, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw all my days, you number them, you understand the presence of God, you understand my design. And so when we seek the presence of God, we start to align with our proper use, with the way we were made, with our purpose. When it starts to bring out potential in you, you didn't even know was there. I'm going to be really honest, if this statement were not true, I don't think I would have stayed in ministry this long. Because the thing that keeps me in ministry is looking out at a congregation like this and knowing there's a gap between where you are and where God can bring you. And my whole goal as a pastor, which is definitively means shepherd, is to help people recognize that potential, to close that gap a little bit to all of us collectively get to January and go, wow, we're a little bit more like Jesus than we were last year. And to thank God for his presence guiding us and leading us so that we didn't do it on our own strength. We didn't do it in our way. We did it according to his will. I'm done with my way, but I love his will. His will is so good and pleasing and perfect for my life. And it is for yours as well. And I believe that with everything inside of me. Almost nothing on this side of eternity I can say with such conviction than the belief that you were made intentionally, you have a purpose, God has a will for your life. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. It will not harm you. It's gonna lead to the best life possible. But you're never gonna recognize it if you don't learn how to personally pursue his presence. I can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. Your relatives can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. Nobody can pursue his presence for you. It is a personal decision to say, God, I want more of you. 
The band can come on up as we close. God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. He placed us in this moment in time for a reason. Church, I, I didn't say this in the first service. Um, even the Who Is My Neighbor series came on the backside of, of honestly me processing a lot of frustration with the time and place in which I've been born. Have you ever had moments where you're just like, I think I would have done better in that decade? Like, you just being honest, like, God, really? The moment in time you have me step into being a lead pastor is during a, a, a world pandemic? Like, really? That's when you want me to step in? Like, really, God? Like, when, you know, what about in the 90s when churches were exploding? Like, how about then? Can we just go back to the 90s? Like, what? This is the moment? And it's really easy to resent the time and place, and it's really easy to just become such a complainer of all the problems. And there are so many Honestly, though, I'm just so grateful to God right now that politics is proving to not be the answer. I'm really grateful that I think so many people that I'm in conversation for, their party has let them down in the last year. And that's a really helpful thing because when all of a sudden politics become our religion, we're in a really dark place. It's putting our trust in completely the wrong thing. And so I've been really grateful to watch the constructs of man begin to disappoint because at some point it makes people go and pursue his presence. That's why I did this series on who is my neighbor. How do I want to handle this man-made construct disappointing our world? <laughs> this man-made construct disappointing all of my neighbors. I want to step in by loving them. I want to step in with a positive tone. I want to point them to the one place that's never going to disappoint, that's never going to let them down. That's the presence of God. I want to bring them home to the heart of God, the one place they will actually feel at home. You are not at home in America. You are a foreigner. You are a citizen of heaven. You are designed to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. You should not feel comfortable here. If you are feeling comfortable here, then you have bought into a message opposite to the biblical one. We should always feel a level of discomfort on this side of eternity. And the only place I've ever truly made sense is with lifting up holy hands in the presence of my God, who made me, who designed me, reminding me about what this is all about. That's my space. Pursuing his face, pursuing his presence. You stand your feet all across this room. Let me read it one more time, this passage. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, rejoice. I'm grateful that the author chose to say heart, not mind. Actually, I didn't say this in the first service either. I really feel this, that some of us, we're trying to think our way into his presence. This is not a mathematical equation. There's a natural diversity to your very being. There's a body, there's a soul, there's a spirit, there's, there's different ways we connect. And there's a lot that you need to think about when it comes to scripture, theology. I love it. I love a good conversation. I never want to have lazy thinking when it comes to my belief systems. But there are moments where God says, turn off your brain and just be with me. Come on, it's that way with relationships, is it not? Think about marriage. You don't intellect yourself towards intimacy. Intellect is not what brings the intimacy. It's vulnerability. When I get vulnerable, we get intimate. And God's like, hey, your intellect 
is killing your vulnerability. Would you lay it down for just a moment and just be with me? Would you just be in my presence? So the hearts of those get to seek the Lord and rejoice. And then we look to the Lord and his strength. When we look to the Lord and his strength, we remind ourselves, oh, that's right. All of the pain, all of the problems, I don't have what it takes to beat it. Reminder, sin is a battle you can't win on your own. You don't have the strength, but Jesus did. He died for you so you can submit your sins to him and he'll empower you and strengthen you to overcome them. I don't fight the battles of this earth on my strength, I do it with God's strength. And then we're to seek his face always. Seek his face always. So I wanna do just that. I want the hearts of those in this room that love the Lord to rejoice as we seek his face always and allow his strength to rise up inside of us to deal with everything going on in our life. His perspective, his viewpoint to come and transform our hearts and minds. And we're gonna worship him. We're gonna praise him. We're gonna seek his presence. So would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Jesus, we come to you right now. We thank you that you're seated at the right hand of the Father God and that you're interceding on our behalf. God, I pray right now for anyone who thinks that they haven't performed enough to encounter your presence. God, we remind ourselves right now there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, that there's no condemnation with you. We may feel conviction, but right now, before we go any further, would you just begin to repent of your sins? Right now, what are those things that you think are dividing you between you and the presence of God? All you have to do is repent and you are forgiven. That is the grace. You do not deserve it. You don't. We don't deserve it. But he offers it anyway. So would you just take a moment, get your heart right. He's covered it. He's covered it. He already, he already paid the price. You have access. You can walk it boldly into the throne room. There's an open heaven over you. Jesus, we repent and we come to you. I actually want to start with open heaven. We're going to sing this song again. I really believe this. There was even a prophetic word we received from a member of our church about the worship, that there's an open heaven over artisan. And we were planning to play this new song. And I just believe it's for us right now. It's this reminder. You have access. You get to walk into the room. You get to have proximity. But are you willing to knock on that door of more, saying, God, I just want more of you. I'm laying down my agenda, and I'm just pursuing you. I'm going to pray one more time. When I say amen, if you want to come forward, please feel free. This is going to be an open altar, a place that's set apart to just pursue his presence. If you want to come forward, please do it. Don't even hesitate. If you feel like he's asking you to come out of your seat, just respond and say yes and come forward on my amen, and then we're going to worship him. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the truth of your word that has spoken to us, that has brought us to this place. God, I pray right now that as we begin to declare out the reality we believe, that heaven is open, your presence is available, we pursue it with all that we are. We pursue it with open hands and open hearts. Jesus, we pursue it. We pursue it. Jesus, do it. Amen.